Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got George. What's up, guys? Glad to be here. And then last but not least, our newest correspondent, Christian. Hey, Heat Nation. Thank you so much, Joel, for having me. I'm excited to do the pod. So let's get right into it. All right. So to start it off, we got to address these last three games for the Heat. As the Heat lost to Phoenix, beat Cleveland, but then suffered another loss to the Timberwolves. Despite not having the best week, though, Miami is still first place in the Eastern Conference, currently leading the 76ers and Bucks by two and a half games. And with that being said, what's everyone's takeaways when looking back at this past week of Heat basketball? Start us off, George. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting week. We um we started with that that loss against the Suns. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't the game that we really hoped to to have against them we didn't have any we didn't have jimmy he was um he was ill i believe for the game he had the sniffles so he just wanted to um to sit it out so that was quite annoying when i saw that but at the same time 
we were putting up a fight until halftime. We were playing really well, only down by a point. Uh, down by a point. Sorry, two points. So we were playing really well. A third quarter came and they blew us out, 30, 34 to nineteen. So look, it's it's it was a great game for Duncan, but uh, players like PJ, Carl Larry couldn't get their shot. Um, PJ was more it was actually a focus of the offense for the last week, which is a very um. Look, I understand he's, a, he's an excellent spot up shooter. He leads the league in in three point percentage, I believe, still. But they went to him way too much, and and I think that it suffered without Jimmy. They 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 wanted someone to be able to drive in and and cut baseline, which he did a lot. So it's di- it's difficult with him. Um, Victor Oladipo was back. He was playing. He's been playing the last few days. So it's been it's been really great to have him back. Tyler Hero still cooking, but Bam didn't have the game that we thought he'd have. So look, a loss against them, it's 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 understandable given the circumstances. Uh, the Cleveland game came around. Fantastic game. We were 0-2 against them with a very, very unhealthy roster, but we were able to, to take care of business. But the game I want to focus on quickly is the um, the Timberwolves game. We didn't have Jimmy again. He was out with his uh, his toe. His toe. <laughs> so these these little injuries, these bank injuries, I understand that you want your entire core to be healthy for the offseason, so you don't want any aggravated injuries. You don't want any extra time off for, for injuries that should take one or two days. So I understand. I get it. But in that game, we we couldn't we just didn't have a closer. We didn't have anyone to close out the game. We were really, you know, Tyler Hero played really well. Max Strus played really well. Bam did okay. Um, but it's just not enough when you're playing a team that um, has their personal vendetta against us, and they had was it nine players or eight players in double digit scoring. We really can't expect to win when we're just giving up way too many shots. But um, look. It's late in the season. There's still some things we've got to fix out. It's got to iron out. We have to have a healthy roster. That's the way this team's constructed. Without the whole roster, there's not really a point of, um, you know, the offense. It's a lot of pressure on Spo because he's he's fine-tuned this offense so that every player has their part. And when Jimmy's out, it's, you can see that it, it's night and day between he basketball and not. Right, I agree. And then you, Christian? Yeah, so I've noticed a couple things, a little trend with the uh, past three games for the Heat. So number one against the Suns, again, uh, I want to echo what George said. It was a great game uh, up through the half. And then once you got past the half, you started to see the Suns pull away. And Phoenix is the number one seed in the NBA. You know, it's not too far-fetched to see them succeed, especially when Miami's missing uh, their primary star. But I just want to point something out that I noticed in the box score, and that happens to be the rebounds. So uh, the Heat got out rebounded by 13 total, and the Suns had 14 offensive rebounds to the Heat's six offensive rebounds. So those second chance points for Phoenix were definitely a big contributing factor to them in that second half being able to pull away. I mean, not only do you have Devin Booker and Miles Bridges both pulsing um, 20 plus points, and then you look at Bam out of bio, and this is what uh, is interesting to me is that Bam had, you know, 17, six and five on seven of 11 shooting. Uh, he was shooting really efficient, uh, efficiently, and he had one of the best plus minuses for the Heat. Uh, to me, I kind of want to see Bam shoot more because then we get into the next game, which was a win over the Cavs. It was a really good game for the Heat. Jimmy Butler was back from his illness, and Bam drops 30 and 17, which is insane on 11 of 16 shooting. So you see when Bam is really, really good and he gets himself going, the Miami Heat seem to succeed as well. 
you know, a lot of times people are saying Duncan could be the X factor. And of course, Tyler Hero off the bench is a big galvanizer, but I see Bam out of bio as he should really be like a 25 and 10 a night scorer. Like that's just who I see Bam as being. And it's funny because he does that alongside Jimmy Butler, as opposed to when Jimmy Butler is not there and he should have a bigger role. But of course, you know, you have your contributions from Tyler Hero. Naturally, in that game against the Cavs, he had 22 points on 8 of 15. He was efficient. You know, it was just a great overall game for the Heat. And then we roll over into Minnesota. No Jimmy again. And the Heat fall again. And again, it's Bam Adebayo with 19 and 12, like pretty decent numbers on 7 of 12 shooting. But I would just love to see Bam shoot more and sort of take an assertive role over the offense and try to post up some more points. Now, Tyler had 30 points in this game, which is really good for him. And I think we're starting to see Tyler becoming that sort of budding star and that part of the big three that we knew he was going to become. He had a little bit of a rocky sophomore season, but now that he's in his like third season, we're starting to see more of that potential from Tyler Hero. But as far as I see it, if Jimmy was playing this game for the Heat, the Heat would win. But I think it's really, really cool how Miami has been able to maintain and achieve the one seed, even with all of these injuries and ins and outs of the lineup. I know Lowry missed a couple of weeks. You had Jimmy with an illness here, um, Tyler Hero. But despite all these illnesses and injuries, they still do have the number one seed. So I know it wasn't necessarily the week that Miami was looking for, um, especially against the Timberwolves. But at the same time, it's really nothing to be super concerned about because Miami's still the number one seed. They're playing great basketball. And if they have Jimmy healthy and their whole roster together, they're really a force to be reckoned with. Right. And George, do you want to add on to this? Yeah, I just want, I just want to add to a point that Christian made. Um, with, with Bam's aggression, Bam's aggression is a massive, massive factor for us. But as you can see, in the last three games, besides the you know, the last two, so the two games where he didn't have, you know, that amazing performance like we saw in Cleveland, that was alongside Jimmy. So I, I believe that Bam plays a lot more comfortably when, when the attention's taken a lot from, when the offensive load's taken from him, then he feels like, okay, you know, Jimmy has 24, you know, Jimmy was playing well the entire game and, and Tyler was making shots and Max was making shots. I can add to this as well. And for him to have 13, 17, 17, it's it's a rare occasion for us. We we really don't see him take that offensive load that we really want him, you know, to take on his shoulders. Like we really need him to play well. So I don't know if it's confidence issue. I don't know if it's it's Spo's system that's doing this to him. Um, I I just feel that he if he can do that against the Cavs, one of the top teams against in in the Cavs. We know they're they're not short of any, you know, centers. <laughs> They're not sure of big-bodied players. I know they were missing Jared Allen, um, which was a massive factor. He's a, he's an, a very impressive rim protector. But Bam was killing it. So I feel like Bam just needs that 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 confidence boost before every game to really go out there and, and assert his dominance. You know, he's one of the most powerful players that we see in the league. Physi- physi- physically and, and mentally, he's tough. So... If we've got that, if we've got that version of, of Bam, it just makes the entire game easier. But going on with Tyler Hero as well, Tyler Hero has played just absolutely incredibly. And to come off the bench and do what he's doing every single game, he just, he does one thing, he gets buckets. And that's all we need from him. So I'm, I'm look, I feel like the team 
is in a good place to put it all together come playoff time. We've seen what Ben can do. We've seen what Tyler and Jimmy can do. Jimmy gets a lot of slack. You know, he has a bad game every every couple months or so and then gets called a bum. But we know he's not. You know, he, he we beat the Sixers. We beat Cle- Cleveland. We, we beat the Suns earlier in the season as well. We can compete with any team, you know, that 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 comes towards us. So it's just about getting every player ready and confident for the time, you know, for the for the last 10 games or so, I feel I believe, or 11 games, we've got just a few, you know, we've got just a few games to get it all pieced together. Everyone needs to be healthy to get the rotation set, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Right. And then Christian, do you want to add to this? Yeah, I just wanted to point out that I do agree with what you're saying, especially that when Jimmy's there, it takes off uh, a little bit of the attention from Bam, so he's able to more so do his thing. But I just think in general, if we look at Bam's season stats for 2021 and 22, he's averaging 19 points, 10 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 21.39 player efficiency rating. Um, I kind of see Bam a little bit higher than that. And I think just in general this season, Bam's been playing, I don't know, if he shot more, I feel like it would definitely be more of the BAM that we expect to see. Cause I think that BAM could easily average 25, 12 and four or whatever. Um, because he just does have that capability. And at one point, um, you know, I was putting him as like a top three center in the league. Now I think he's top five, like he's still up there, but there are definitely some that are moving into that top five as well. But I think BAM's potential just is more than what he's given us this season. But as we see those games where he drops 30 and 17, you start you start to see the type of player that Bam really can be. So I just want to see more of that from him as the season progresses and hopefully through the postseason as well. Right. I agree. You know, like overall, this Miami Heat team, you know, looking back on these three games, uh, although it was a bit of a losing week for us, you know, we know what this team is capable of doing. And you guys brought up some great points you know, when it comes to Bam and the shots he got to take. And I do agree. You know, I do believe he can be a guy that can give you 25 points per game, you know, and get you those 10 rebounds. But overall, it will be interesting to see what the Heat will do, especially with Kyle Lowry starting to take more shots because, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, to paraphrase what he said, you know, he said he was basically getting ready for that postseason. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this Heat team will evolve come then. Because this is a team that will still be amazing to watch, you know. Like, obviously, you know, Heat Nation has to think for overreacting to some of these losses. But I've, I hope to all my Heat fans out there that we, we don't overreact too much and that we don't forget how good this team will be the minute the playoffs start. So while we can talk about this topic all day, all day, let's now move on to this next topic. And it's where we talk about the final stretch of the season for the Heat, as there's only 13 games left before the regular season ends. Seeing how close the standings are, like how confident are you guys in the Heat's chances of finishing the season as the first seed if you had to rank it from a scale of 1 to 10? Give us your take, Christian. So right now just in a super contentious Eastern Conference. They are two and a half games above the next team. I would have to say six. I think there's a good chance, but I'm not 100% convinced. 
the first thing that comes into effect when I think about it is the health of Miami. When the Heat played this week without Jimmy Butler, they were 0-2, and it was just, you know, a cold, a toe injury. Um, Kyle Lowry's been in and out. It's definitely a question of health for this Miami team and how they cross the finish line. Now, the 76ers, they did just have a super embarrassing loss against the Nets, and they almost lost to Orlando in overtime, but they're still a pretty scary team. Harden doesn't look exactly like what he used to be, but with Embiid playing at that MVP level, they're not to be counted out. The Bucks team as well, the defending champions, they're not playing some of their best basketball right now, but I wouldn't put it past them to surge up in the standings. Of course, the Chicago Bulls are playing great. I don't think that they have it. And then as far as the Celtics and the Cavs, I'm not sure they have it either. But definitely, we need to watch out for the 76ers and the Bucks. And as far as the remaining schedule for Miami, they do have, I believe, some easier games in the schedule uh, with the Pistons, the Thunder. They play the Kings as well. Uh, they play the Magic at some point. Uh, but they also have a, some more difficult games. They did beat the Sixers, but they do have to play them again. They have to play the Warriors. They're going to end up facing the Nets, the Celtics. So it's really a matter of can the Heat remain healthy? Because I think the Heat can win a majority of these final 13 games as long as they stay healthy. But if you have Jimmy in and out of the lineup, if, God forbid, Bam has to leave for two games, then we're going to start to see a potential slip in the rankings and the Heat could finish second or maybe even third. So that's what we have to watch out for. Right. And how about you, George? Yeah, it's 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 definitely a point of conversation when we're talking about um, you know, the Heat's ability to maintain maintain this first seed, because everyone's been skeptical saying, you know, uh, we're staying one, you know, we're gonna drop down a little bit. But look, to be honest, I'm not afraid of the free throw guppies in uh, the 76ers. I've never been afraid of them. I don't believe in that. Um I don't believe that's winning basketball. I don't think that's sustainable to have 40 free throws a game between two people. I just don't, I just don't see it happening. So if I'm looking at the last bit of the schedule, we've got 13 games. We've got the Pistons, Pistons, Thunder, um, Hornets, Hawks, and Magic. Those, in my opinion, should be very winnable and the Kings as well. So out of 13 games, six of them look extremely winnable. The other seven, I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, oh, sorry, in the Knicks. So that's seven games that, that, that look extremely winnable. But then we've got, in, in that same span of time, the 76ers, the Warriors, the Nets, the Celtics, the Bulls, and the Raptors. So those are difficult games. Those are going to be the ones that decide whether we stay first or not. I, I, but if I'm looking at confidence of staying first, I'll give us a solid 7 out of 10. You know, um, 76ers aren't perfect. And I don't believe they'll go 13-0 over the, the next stretches of games. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident, but there's always a chance. You know, there's, touch wood, barring any major injuries or, or problems like that um, against the really good teams or even the bad teams, we, we, we just got to play our best. Uh, Spo's got to do his best to manage as well because you don't want to burn your stars out or like, depending on how much time you have between the last game and the playoffs. I'm, that's why I'm a big advocate of the um, of the playing games as well, because it gives these teams just that little bit of rest that they need to really get themselves in the top top shape before they go into their um, their playoff route. So, look, I'm confident, but there's always a chance. Right. For me personally, I do think the Heat will finish as the one seed. 
you know, because George, you brought up a good point about how Philly and Milwaukee will, you know, not win all of their 13 games as well. I think Miami just simply has to, you know, worry about these upcoming games against those legit teams, you know, teams like Philadelphia and Boston. And then um, what, what else? I know I'm um, George, you mentioned Toronto. We play them. You know, like there are a lot of good games to watch out for if you're the Heat. And, you know, as you said, Kristen, like teams like Philly and all them, you know, they're trying to make their move for that one seed. And I think it was Joel Embiid who said in a press conference that they are trying to get that one seed. And it's not a surprise because whoever ends up being that one seed, like they could end up avoiding a lot of matchups until the conference finals. And it's because of that reason that I want to move on to this next topic, because, you know, if you look at the Heat's current playoff picture, you know, like the Eastern conference, it's basically, it's, I don't think we've ever seen it be as competitive as it is right now. Now, if the, let's say the regular season ended today, now, with that being said, the Heat would stay in first place and then they would have to play the eighth seed. Now, although Brooklyn is currently in eighth place right now, nothing is confirmed for the Heat until after the playing tournament ends. All we know is that the seeds from seven to ten are all candidates for that first round matchup against Miami. Assuming the Heat make it to the second round, I don't want to jinx it, which is why I say assuming they would then have to face the winner of the matchup against the four seed and the five seed, a.k.a. Chicago and Boston. Following that up, if the Heat are to then make it to the conference finals, they would have to either play the two, three, six, or seven seed, meaning that Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and the winner of the Nets and Hawks playing game would all have to face each other before having to face the Heat. Now, unlike other teams, we know that the Heat are a team that's not scared of anyone, meaning that they don't care who they'll have to face come playoff time. Now, as Heat fans, I think we want to make sure that the Heat take the best route possible. So with this in mind, how do you guys feel about the current playoff picture for Miami? And are you cool with it being the way that it is right now? Um, Give us your thoughts, George. Look, it's it's it's. The reason why this is such a difficult topic to talk about is because we're always talking hypotheticals. We, we don't know <clears throat> who's going to be in the playing games. This is the tightest the East has ever been, in my opinion, probably in, it, that I've ever seen in history. Um, and I'm not sure about who we're going to verse the other day. You know, we, uh, I, ta- I take that Brooklyn may, may even get themselves out of the playing games. You know, Toronto could do it as well. There, there might be a situation where Cleveland drops a few games now. They're only three back from eight. Um, three, yeah, three games back from eight. So we just don't know who we're going to verse. <clears throat> if we're looking at the current standpoint, where, where Brooklyn's eighth, Toronto seventh, um, Atlanta's ninth, Charlotte 10th, I think we all expect that Brooklyn would beat Toronto and Atlanta would beat uh, Charlotte. So if we're looking at that, our first round could be against Brooklyn. Now, it's an extremely unavoidable um, landscape <clears throat> landscape because every first round that's going to happen is going to look incredible. So um, th- yeah, it's going to, it's going to be incredible. It really is. So uh, the final game will, sorry, I, I made a mistake. Toronto will be versing Atlanta given all things um, 
given all things, you know, given all things that the, as the current standpoint is. So Brooklyn will end up beating first in Philadelphia, which would be the dream of all four, first round, you know, <laughs> of all the first round. So it's going to be, I believe that Toronto versus Miami is, is actually a very um, possible scenario. So you'll have Toronto, Miami, sh- Chicago, Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and Philadelphia and, and Brooklyn. That has got to be the greatest first round in any in any gear in NBA history, surely, because you've got Miami versus Toronto, the team that's had beef all season, two fan bases going at it as well, uh, Chicago and Boston, two teams with incredible upside, but a lot of questions in their name. Milwaukee versus a team with fifty three cent- centers to stop Giannis, and then you've got Philly versus Brooklyn, which is the greatest storyline of them all. So it's going to be that's just talking. NBA, like the Eastern Conference as a whole. If we're looking at just Miami, best case scenario, we're versing Atlanta or something like that, and we've got their number. So I'm I'm not worried about us getting out of the first round. The second round is when it gets way more interesting. So that's why I don't want to make too many calls because it's so tight. You know, we're we're the first seed by two and a half games. Uh, Philly, sorry, uh, yeah, Philly will will most likely come second. Um, but Milwaukee's got an extra win on them as well, but they've got a game in hand. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see whoever we verse in the second round. But um, I'll, I believe that this Heat team is built to take out any team in the East. I, like I said before, and I say it again, I don't believe in, in Philadelphia being um, you know, a, real, a real problem. I really just don't believe that come playoff time, this team won't see the calls they get. It's notorious that calls that happen in the regular season, you won't get in the playoffs. So if they're just trying to draw fouls and foul bait the entire time, it won't happen. It won't happen. The NBA won't let that spectacle go on because it's already become a joke. It's become a massive joke. It's become a meme. It needs to stop. So I, I think that this team's biggest competitors are Milwaukee and, and Boston, if they come out of it. Because Boston's looked... Absolutely incredible over the last 25, 30 games. So, look, I think this Heat team can do it against anyone. I might be biased, but, you know, I, I think we're yet to be proven wrong. With the one seed, we've played really well um, most of the season. We do have some down performances every now and again, but it's 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 inevitable. Right. And what's on your mind, Christian? There are a lot of things on my mind when I look at this playoff bracket. Let me start off by saying, Heat Nation, I think we can take any team in the top 10 in a seven-game series, regardless. Like, that is what I'm seeing right now. So the potential one-versus-eight seed matchup, I'm going to assume Brooklyn beats the Raptors and they make it to the seventh seed, and then the Raptors come down and they either beat or lose to the Hawks. Either way, if the Heat face the Raptors or the Hawks or even somehow the Hornets in the first round, to me, that's, you know, four-game, five-game series, Miami wins. That's not really too much of a concern. As far as the Bulls and the Celtics, I mean, I could see it going either way. I think the Celtics have been together a little bit longer. And when you have that camaraderie and that, uh, you know, together playing experience, it's going to be a little bit easier to win, especially in playoff scenarios. So I'm actually going to take the Celtics over the Bulls in that scenario, which means the Heat would end up facing the Celtics in the second round. And the main thing here is going to be containing Jason Tatum. Um, he seems to be the X factor. I know that when he 
tends to heat up and drops maybe 40 plus points. The Celtics are a really hard team to beat because you could always count on JB for 20, 25 points. So I think that it's going to come down to Bam being able to lock up Jason Tatum of the Celtics. So I'm going to say the Heat can definitely take the second round. Uh, it might look similar to the second round from a couple of years ago, but I think the Heat could probably win that one in six. I think the Celtics are probably just one more piece away. I can't even tell you what that piece is. Maybe more of a premier center uh, from getting to that conference finals. And then we have the conference finals. It's going to be the Heat versus the winner of two, three, seven, eight. So uh, if we have two, seven, 76ers, Nets, uh, I want to echo what George said in the fact that the whistles do get held. So I think that hopefully if the playoffs are called better than the regular season and the refs hold their whistles a little more and Joel Embiid's not getting 14 free throws in the first quarter, the Nets stand a really good chance to beat the 76ers especially with the way Harden's been playing. He's been in a really bad shooting slump recently. And if he doesn't come out of that come postseason time, the Nets are definitely looking to upset there. As far as the 3-6 matchup, Cleveland could threaten Milwaukee a little bit, but I'm going to say because they have that champion medal that Milwaukee will end up taking Cleveland, which leaves the Bucks and the Nets as the rematch of the second round of the Eastern Conference last year. Um, sources tell me KD has decreased his shoe size by half an inch. So I don't think that final shot should be any concern at this point, <laughs> 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 but, um, as far as the bucks nets, I think it's going to come down to whether the nets can get Ben Simmons in gear and actually just to have him on the defensive end, uh, to stop Giannis and, or Middleton, that's going to be a big thing. I'm not 100% on Ben Simmons. So in all objectivity, I'm going to say the Bucs are going to take the series again. Uh, if the Nets can't have that defensive presence of Simmons, it's going to be really, really hard to beat Giannis and the Bucs. And this is coming from someone who roots for Brooklyn. So Miami Heat versus Milwaukee Bucks two seasons ago, you guys beat them. Last season, they beat you. Uh, I think it's coming back Miami's way this season for a couple of reasons. Number one, the addition of Kyle Lowry as a more authoritative floor general, Drogic was really good for you guys two years ago in the postseason. Last year, he kind of faltered, and that allowed Milwaukee to sort of creep in and take that sweep. So the fact that you have Lowry, who's going to be shooting more, that's going to be great. Jimmy and Bam have had a lot of time to play together. Tyler Hero is now a budding star. And let's not forget about the role players, the guys that have been making the impact for you when the stars are off the court. We have... Gabe Vincent coming in and hitting shots, like crazy shots from beyond the arc. Struess, he's a great player just to come in again and hit shots. And that's what Miami needs. PJ Tucker, and this is what's surprising to me, is that he's 6'5", but he guarded Joel Embiid like he was a seven-footer during that game against Philadelphia. I think it's a really, really exciting team. And especially PJ Tucker knows how to guard bigger players. And PJ played with Giannis and Middleton. He knows how they play. He's going to be a big contributing factor to Miami in that series. So I have to say, I really like Miami's playoff odds of coming out of the East this season. And you know, it's not 100%. It is hypothetical. It could go a couple of different ways. Um, I don't really see Miami losing in the first round, though. In the second round, I feel like there's a bigger chance of them losing, but I think they'll be able to take care of business against Chicago and or the Celtics. And then in the third round, that's going to be their biggest challenge, overcoming the hump of potentially 
Milwaukee, potentially the 76ers or Brooklyn. But as far as the playoff picture, I think it's just really exciting in general. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what these playoffs have to offer for the Miami Heat this season. Right. And George, do you want to add on to this? Yeah, I just want to say a couple of things. Firstly, when you mentioned Dragic, as a Nets fan, you just made me very depressed. You made me very, very upset. I don't, I can't believe he's wearing a different jersey now. Um, I always thought he'd retire with us and, you know, we miss him, but I'm happy to see that he's actually still doing the thing he loves, still getting buckets, still get playing. So that's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch him in the, um, in the playoffs as well, see what he does there. Cause we always know that in the come playoff time, he's got something to prove and, and something to do. Um, so it's, it's going to be fun to see him play, but, um, I want to go dive a little bit deeper into the, um, into this topic and talk about the formula that this heat team needs to win. When we first the big teams, we've done we first when we beat um, the Bucks, when we beat the Phoenix Suns, we had a plethora of injured players. We really did. When that, that game against Milwaukee was PJ Tucker's best game, when he guarded Middleton, so it's when he guarded Giannis as well, and Drew was doing nothing. He was doing it all, and Caleb Martin just came out and decided to to be the greatest player in NBA history um, and come back and, and just, just play amazing, incredibly. So what, I, what I'm getting at here is that this Heat team has the talent to beat any team. And I believe that, and we've proved that this season. When we beat Phoenix, we beat, we've beaten every team except, I believe, um, Boston. I don't think we beat them this season. So look, Boston's a whole different demon when it comes to our, our players versus their players because they're, they're matched up very well against us in the sense that Tatum, Brown, and Robert Williams are all-stars now, in my opinion. Robert Williams has, has solidified himself as one of the best big men in the league. Um, and he, he really gives that team the defensive di- uh, dimension that I've been talking about all the last three years. When, when their front office was declining to get a proper big man, when Al Holford was there as well, and then the year they had no big man and they tried Rob Williams when he was extremely young, it doesn't work. But now he's grown into that role and they're a way more dangerous team. Now coming to the Heat, the Heat have the formula. They have an amazing big man in Bam. Their backup big man role is in question between Yurt and Debman. Debman's been playing very, very, very underwhelmingly in the last few games. So does Yurt take his spot? We've got 13 games to find out. Um, our guard depth is... The, if not the best, top three, easily. Just just having those bucket getters off the bench, a lot of playmaking, a lot of really, really competent playmaking as well when you, when you come to Kyle Lowry, um, future Hall of Famer, by the way. Um, but it comes down to Jimmy. It really, really does because this team is craving that start. I know Spo, he, he's... When we, when, when we talk about all the other teams, when we look at... Philly, and they've got Harden, and they've got Embiid. We look at Milwaukee, they've got Giannis, they've got Middleton, they've got Drew. Boston's got Tatum and Brown. Chicago, I've got DeRozan. These are clear-cut best players on their team. These are really the clear, like, cut against the rest. When you look at the Heat, there is an entire roster of competent players. There really is. But to get them all firing at the times that the, that the Heat need them to fire, is the problem. Because there's no one star, because there's no one offensive 
dominant player, this team has a lot of determining factors coming into every single game. Every game could be different. One game will have um, Bam coming in and, and dropping 30 and 17, like we saw the other night. And Jimmy will go off for 34. It happens. Now, come playoff time, Jimmy, hopefully he doesn't make another stupidly locked-in uh, post and to ruin all our chances. But um, look, I, I think we can avoid what happened last year. There's a lot of reasons why last year happened. But coming into this season, come we, we, we've proven that getting and acquiring Kyle Lowry and integrating him into the heat, heat system has just flown this team into a different stratosphere of what they can be. Now, can they do it every single game? I'm not sure because we see there's, they have off games. They have off days. They have games where Kyle Lowry won't be, um, won't be as offensively dominant passing the ball and, and playmate, he's play, sorry, his playmaker could be down. His shot might not be there, which we've seen all season. But it comes down, in my opinion, to Jimmy Butler. The guy is a closer. He's our closer, and we need him for that. The Heat have had a notorious, notoriously rough time of, of holding leads. So if Jimmy's firing, if he's getting to the free throw line, like like at, not at the level of a Philadelphia, of a James Harden or an Embiid, but getting those eight calls, you know, eight free throws a night, 10 free throws a night, it's extremely important for him. Because in the dying moments of the game, when we're up by one or down by two, he's there, drawing fouls, playing great defense. So it's just about every player doing their job, getting and getting over the hump. Really, it is. Right, and then Kristen, you also want to add on to this? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about last postseason how we saw Jimmy definitely needed to become that starring role. And he wasn't necessarily dropping the numbers that we needed Miami to beat Milwaukee. And here's why I think that we're better geared this season is that Tyler Hero is more or less having his breakout season. I mean, I can't imagine he doesn't get sixth man of the year at this point. Uh, There are definitely a lot better role players around this team. And Bam is also improving. So I think we can see even if Jimmy has like 15 points in a game, Miami still has a chance to win that game just because of the presence that Jimmy has on the floor, the defense he adds, even if he's not really providing that much offense, just him being that threat to shoot or post up or drive that really opens up the floor for everyone. And I think that it's sometimes overlooked. Eric Spolscher was named one of the top 15 coaches in the NBA ever. And that's crazy because he's still coaching today. It's just him and Greg Popovich was just insane. But the fact is, is that this is a really well-coached team too. Spolscher has been at his craft for years. And the fact that he has a lot of plays off the dribble, a lot of ball movement plays, it just adds to the veracity of this Miami Heat team. And I think that even though they don't have a star, as you mentioned, they don't have a Kevin Durant or a Giannis or an Embiid or whatever. They have this chemistry and they have this well-built one to nine lineup that anyone could really come in and have themselves a really, really good game. And the rest of the cast will be there to support that. So I think that's what Miami's bringing to the table this postseason that they maybe didn't have last postseason. Right. I agree. You know, like 
you know, definitely when you look at last postseason and, you know, this year, you know, there's a lot of differences. And, you know, I think Miami, especially after getting that full off season, that helped us out big time, especially for Bam, you know, because I think one thing they said was that Bam wasn't exactly the same after having that shoulder injury in the finals. And, you know, I think that led to him losing a little weight and he was ultimately able to well, not wait, but necessarily like he would have he lost a little strength from it, basically. And he was able to, you know, gain back that muscle in this offseason. And that's helped him out a lot as well. And overall, like, you know, and to Heat fans who are hearing us talk about this specific topic, just to be clear, like we just simply want Miami to have the best path possible come playoff time I know I said this earlier but I want to bring that up again and most importantly like I don't know about y'all but like I got the guts and like you said Christian earlier like I do believe the Heat can beat any one of these top 10 teams in the Eastern Conference in a seven game series and overall it's just going to be interesting to see what the Heat does and you know it's almost getting time to wrap it up but before we do We'll actually just quickly bring in the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. So without further delay, um, George, tell us, who's your Spotlight Heat Player of the Week? Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because there's been a lot of off and on nights for a lot of players. But the one consistent player the entire week has been Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero deserves the recognition and deserves the praise. Um, and by the way, Joel, I respect your guts and I respect the fact that you um they, that you are you said that you know you've got the guts and you can you can see us beating any team. So I I respect that. But going back to he player of the week, it's Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero has been he's exceeded everyone's expectations the whole season, and in the last week he's really proved why he's the unanimous six man of the year, and probably the most improved player as well. So look, I got to give him his props. Usually I go for someone different, but it's been a lot of weird a lot of weird heat basketball played in the last week. Uh, but um, no, I, I you can't take it away from from Tyler that he's an incredible player with incredible upside, and he's going to do absolute numbers for us come playoff time. He really, really is. Right, and who's your player, Christian? It's really hard for me to disagree with that Tyler take, um, but in the interest of being different, uh, just to say before Caleb Martin got hurt i think he was just sensational for the heat and had he played i'm sure i probably would have picked him as my spotlight player um but i'm gonna go with bam Adebayo because he kind of showed first off crazy efficiency he shot well over 50 percent from the field in the past three games and as a matter of fact the fact that he scored 30 and 17 that's just that's sensational i think that's where we can see bam going so I think that his efficiency and his just parochial plus minus that tends to be one of the better ones on the team really shows how important and central he is to this team's success. Tyler Hero is great, but I think this is also something he's been doing for most of the season. So I just wanted to highlight Bam, especially with that 30 and 17. Right. And you know what? That It's kind of hard to choose because Tyler Hero is a great option and so is Bam. 
But specifically for this episode, I'm just going to go with Bam because I do want to spread the propaganda real quick about him winning Defensive Player of the Year because I just saw something really interesting and it's that FanDuel literally gave Bam the best odds to win Defensive Player of the Year right now. And although it doesn't say much, you know, at least that's just one betting agency giving their own um, take about it. It's still great to see that it could still, it's still up for grabs for him, you know, and it shouldn't be a surprise at all because he's played amazing. You know, we've seen it in these games, like you said, Christian, and not only that, but like, you know, you hear about some people hyping up the idea that um, Draymond should get it. And I mean, if you look at it, like Bam has played more games than Draymond, you know, and it's crazy to think that because Bam did miss a lot of games this year, but he has, in fact, played more games than him. So if Draymond is up for consideration for Defensive Player of the Year, then Bam has to be as well. I don't care at this point. You know, but we know how the NBA works. We know how garbage they are when it comes to giving these type of awards. It's because of the same reason that we've never seen someone like Eric Spolstra win Coach of the Year, even though he clearly deserves it. The only award that I think is certain for Miami is Sixth Man of the Year. I feel like Tyler Hero will end up getting that. So at least, at least we won't go empty-handed. But overall, I would love to see Bam win Defensive Player of the Year. I think it's been a long time coming. Um, but we'll see if the NBA wants to use their brains. You know, these people who make the votes and all that. But overall, let's go into this final topic. So before we close today's episode out, we have to talk about this upcoming game against the Pistons. So if you haven't known already, the Pistons have been a complete dumpster fire this year. And right now they're the second team this season to get eliminated from playoff contention. And despite this, this is a team that always plays their best against Miami, especially with new heat killer Sadiq Bey, along with Marvin Bagley, who's been hooping as of lately after finally being traded from the Kings. So with all that being said, what's everyone's predictions for this upcoming game? And do you guys think the Heat will finally do what they should do and annihilate this trash team? Uh, what's your take, Christian? So just looking at the Pistons body of work this season, they are a young team. They did get the number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham, and they've just done a lot of losing. So, I mean, if you just look at it, yeah, they got eliminated from playoff contention early. Um, as far as their notable wins of the season, there are not really too many. I mean, lost streak after lost streak. Um, in January, they beat the Bucks, which was semi-impressive, followed by you know, a couple of losses. They beat the Jazz at some point, which I really enjoyed because who likes the Jazz? But um, as far as the way I can see this game going, um, it's going to be a really, really tough game for Miami if they do end up losing. Like the Miami Heat will have to go cold from the field in at least two quarters. Like Tyler Hero is going to have to shoot, you know, four of 17 and Bam is going to have to have like no shot attempts. Like it's going to be really difficult for Miami to lose this game against Detroit. Now, to give Detroit credit, you do have players like Cade, Sadiq Bey, some really, really decent players who are still developing. In a couple years, they might be something. But as of right now, I wouldn't be too concerned for Miami. Now, if you just look at the matchup itself coming into the game, 
the Pistons just happened to be 29th in points per game, 29th in point differential, 25th in assists per game. The list goes on. I mean, 28th in rebounds per game. It's just not looking good for Detroit, especially against this Miami Heat team that seems to have everyone back together. Uh, it's going to be a really tough game for Detroit. So I'm going to say Miami wins this game. If I even had to put a number on it, probably by like, I don't know, 11 points. Right. And you, George? Now, I, if for all intensive purposes, uh, we should beat the Detroit Pistons. Every, from looking from the outside in, that's, that's obvious. Will Jimmy play? I don't know. It's the Pistons. They might rest him. Um, which gives a whole new dynamic to the game, but we still should be absolutely tearing them up. So I believe that we'll beat them, but they're a team that's just been eliminated from playoff contention. So they're, they're playing with absolutely nothing to lose. And that's the way the league works. When we, when we had no play, when we had no Jimmy, no Bam, no Deadman, no, no Cole Lowry, no Tyler Hero, we, we, we had to play like we had nothing to lose. And we went, ended up winning a whole bunch of games. So when your back's not against the wall and you're playing free, it's a whole different demon. Because this this Detroit team, they do have heat killers, and it's been proven in the past. Um, the, quickly, there was a point that Christian made that says, who likes the Utah, Utah Jazz? The answer is we like the Utah Jazz because we've got a double agent on the inside. We've got Dwayne Wade, who's trying to keep tabs on Donovan Mitchell, who's a future Miami Heat player. So that's the only reason why we like the Utah Jazz. Um, but Detroit... For this game, I believe we should be okay. I I think that there's enough at stake for Miami to hold the one seed for them to say, okay, we just need to take care of these teams. So there won't be any games played. Um, you know, there won't be any any nagging injuries, in my opinion, um, as it stands right now. So I don't see a reason why we can't absolutely blow them out of the water. So that's my prediction. The Heat win by 2022. 20, that's a that's a fair one. I believe we lead big at halftime. We, we lose the lead and then we get it back in the fourth. <laughs> All right. I respect that. And you know what? You know, I, I, I think that, you know, because Pistons, like you said, George, they, they don't really have anything to lose. So we'll see what happens. I, I want to blow out, you know, because whenever the Heat blow out a team, it's always fun to see because I feel like it's something that we don't see that often. So just for the sake that I could just relax for once, it would be nice if the Heat can blow them out by at least 30 points just because why not? So, yeah, that would be my prediction then. And also, just to quickly backtrack on George, uh, I don't think not all Heat fans like the Jazz, okay? I respect D-Wade for going there and to, um, you know, trying to get on Donovan Mitchell in the Heat jersey. I love it. But as long as the fraudulent Frenchman is there, a guy who for some reason, some way, somehow has been able to rob the NBA of like what three defensive player of the year awards. As long as he's there and like, he just keeps robbing us of these type of awards and accolades. Like, yeah, I just, I just can't mess with Utah until Bam gets that first award. I just can't, but overall, I feel like we covered so much on today's episode that before we end it, um, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HVTW Podcast while checking out our website at hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com. And that way, even when we're not recording, you guys still will have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content. 
So thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. We out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat versus the World podcast.